Good evening, everyone. I'm broadcasting live September 21st, 2015. Today is Ajahn Tong's birthday. It's also World Peace Day, apparently. Auspicious. But it would be, I think, 8 a.m. And it'll be a huge to-do. If we go on Facebook right now, we'll probably see images of how crazy it is at his monastery right now. Let's see if we can find them. Why don't I see pictures? Maybe they're not posting. Maybe they're too busy. Hmm. I don't see any pictures. Anyway, so this is a good time to dedicate our meditation to our big head teacher another thing that happened today was we had our first one-on-one -on -one internet session internet um, reporting sessions or interview sessions so in our tradition actually giving talks is less considered less important than one-on-one -on -one interviews so a meditation course often will not include like at my monastery they get meditators get once a week a talk so you think you're doing uh, intensive meditation hours and hours of meditation a day and then nothing no talk all you get is a one-on-one -on -one interview which can be in ways better than a talk in fact is much preferable much more important because that's where we straighten out individual practice it's and just having the interview keeps you reminds you of where you have a um, obligation to not show up at the meeting and not have done any meditation. So it keeps you motivated. So we had two interviews today through our website. It's amazing how easy that was to set up. And so Tim and Wayne. Wayne didn't have a webcam, but the audio was crystal clear actually and no need for plugins nothing just using firefox or chrome web browser opera opera also works i think am i loud enough there robin yes it sounds perfect 
I got a new microphone. Wayne sent me a microphone. I haven't used it yet, but I was playing with it, so I was tweaking the volume levels. Anyway, I think this one's fine for now. So, um, based on that and the fact that it's already filled up for the 8, no, the 7, 6, yeah, the 6 p.m. Eastern appointments, I've added in a 7 a.m. Eastern, 1100 UTC and 1130. So that's two hours a day. <laughs> if I can keep that schedule up. But I think 7 a.m. is a good time. Go at 6.30, have my oatmeal. And then at 7, start meditation. Uh, start the recording. Okay. So today... So today is awesome. We have awesomeness happening today. Good things happening today. Today is a huge celebration at Jom Tong. And we have something to celebrate here as well. We have a new feature on our site. And really, I think this is going to change the dynamic here greatly. It's going to change the whole game, really. Because now, not just is it a place to... Well, I mean, it's, it started out as a place to just post your times, right? So we could encourage people that way. And then adding the audio feed was uh, a new step. Because now, and, and now with the, well, adding the audio meant that it was also a place to listen to the Dhamma. And then answering questions here means that now it's a place to get advice as well. And once we did the live YouTube video, we've attracted people from YouTube. And the latest step, I think is probably the most significant, is now having one-on-one -on -one interviews. Because now it means that we can truly hold courses and use this as a forum to hold actual meditation courses. Maybe not the whole way through, but at least, you know, suppose you came here for a week, we can do as much online it's slower it will take time you know instead of meeting once a day we'll meet once a week instead of you practicing eight ten twelve hours a day you'd practice hopefully one or two hours a day but uh, you can still gain progress and we can consider that you're progressing through the course that way so awesome great wonderful this one more good thing. Hmm. What else? As you mentioned, that's a long list of meditators on there oh, today. We have the longest list of meditators ever, I think. I don't even dare try to count. Must be like 40, 30, 40. Nice 30. to see. For those of you watching via YouTube and wondering what the heck we're talking about, you have to go to it's in the description or it will be go to meditation.sirimangalo.org that's where we're hanging out and we have a quote to 
discuss, to talk about today. Would you mind reading that for us, Robin? Whoever mindfully develops a boundless love will see the ending of craving and his fetters will be worn thin. If with an uncorrupted mind, one pervades even a single being with love, he is said to be skillful. But if one relates to all living beings with a mind of compassion, great merit is created. It's a bit confusing because it sounds like based on this translation it's differentiating between the first if you look at the second stanza so if one pervades a being even a single being with love one is skillful but if one instead has a mind of compassion and as we know love and compassion are actually two different meditations right so you would have ex you would have expected the second word to also be love <coughs> excuse me but so I looked it up to Pali, <coughs> and it's actually not karuna. The word used isn't karuna. It's anukam, anukampi, a mind that is moved or sympathetic. So this it's ve it's purposefully vague it's it's not specifically saying compassion even though anukampi is is often translated as compassion it means more empathic so it can be used for for metta the meaning here is he didn't want to use the word metta again you know when in, in poetry especially you try to have synonyms so anukampi shouldn't be translated as compassion here it should just be moved or empathic the, the meaning is actually as love it's it should be talking about love not compassion anyway that's kind of technical i suppose but it just kind of shook uh, threw me off at first but this is about metta this is actually from the metta sutta not the Karaniya Metta Sutta that we're more familiar with, but the, it's often called the Metta Nisangsa Sutta, the Sutta on the benefits of Metta. And the link given here is to Anguttara Nikaya 8, the Atakanipata, Book of Eights, but the one that we know and chant more is from the Dasuttara that's how it's called maybe it's called the ekadasa nipata ekadasa nipata what's it called book of elevens anguttara 11 what's the book of 11 ekadasa nipata book of elevens because there's 11 right title search meta There's four different metta suttas. No, it's not the one. Sataka Nibhata. It's funny that it doesn't have all of them.
Oh, because it's spelled differently. Mita Sutta. There's the Mita Sutta and then there's the Mita Sutta. Whatever that means. Ah, right, I see. Okay. Got the Mita Sutta. It's in the Attaka Nipata and in the meaning in the in the in the book of eights the buddha gives eight benefits to to metta to friendliness to love to kindness in the ekadasaka nipata the same sutta the same eight there's three added to them so if we want to hear about but in in the book of elevens it doesn't repeat this verse so this quote that we have is from the verse, the poetry, after the Buddha relates the eight benefits. In the Book of Elevens, there's no poetry, but it's the same. It's the same quote, same list, and I think we've gone through this list in a quote earlier. Um, pretty sure we have, but we have the eleven things. So this is the one we chant: Medaya Asevitaya bhavitaya bahuli kataya yani kataya vatu kataya anuttitaya parichitaya. These are all synonyms. They sound very similar. But not exactly synonyms, synonyms, but ways of explaining the same thing. When you cultivate, when you develop, when you make much of, when you make a vehicle of, when you make a path out of. When you put into practice, when you practice, when you undertake thoroughly, and all these words, parichitaya susamaradhaya, and then he says, ekadasani sangsapatikanka, have 11 benefits without doubt. What are the 11 benefits of metta? Sukang supati, you sleep in peace happily sukang patibhujati you wake happily you don't have any bad dreams you're dear to humans you're dear to non-humans angels guard you uh, fire and poison and weapons don't 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 affect you your mind becomes your concentration your mind becomes concentrated firmly concentrated your visage your appearance is vipassidati is bright you have a bright appearance you know people who are loving who are kind you just love look at them and they're so radiant and bright Asamulho kalangaroti, you die with an unconfused mind. And if you haven't done anything greater, and this is the key, if you haven't done anything greater, metta leads you to the Brahmaloka. So it's not the way to Nibbana. Now sometimes I feel kind of, it's not exactly. It's just not core enough. It's not hardcore enough, these quotes. This is kind of, seems like a lot of it is Buddha light. It's nice and it's useful, especially for lay people. You know, living in the world, you must deal with all sorts of nasty people. 
I met someone today. I met a Tibetan Buddhist. I only meet nice people because uh, most people don't want to have anything to do with me. Most people just look. I do sometimes meet. Uh, when I was living in Stony Creek uh, for 13 years ago, 13, 14 years ago as a monk, I would go walking. I was trying. I was teaching this woman who had multiple sclerosis how to meditate, and I would walk about a mile to her house. And along the way back, one time, I was walking, and suddenly something hit me in the chest and bounced off, like really, uh, like a. Uh, it, it was it wasn't hard but it really had a, a strong impact and then it fell to the ground but there was nothing there when i looked and uh, I, and then this car went screeching by and i looked down and i looked and i saw there was the leftover of a water balloon and so someone had, from this car had thrown a water balloon at me <laughs> it hit me on the chest and didn't explode <laughs> And fell down and 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 burst on the grass, I guess, because I didn't get wet at all. So, not to say that as a monk you don't meet meet any evil people, and some of the people I've met over the years. But I think not nothing to the order of which most people have to deal with. I've heard stories that of bosses who are employers who are just mean and nasty and. People whose uh, I talk to women whose husbands abuse them, whose parents have abused them. The trouble that people have out there. Though, things like loving kindness are actually an important tool in our toolbox. So I don't mean to make light of it, but it is kind of Buddha light. And it's um, wouldn't want to think that this is. I think some people actually focus on this practice. I've talked to people who say, oh, my practice is metta. And I think, well, you know, as a Buddhist, you should aim higher, really. There's there's more than, than just metta. Metta is a useful tool, but it's not the path. It's not the main, shouldn't be our main tool. Anyway, so what the Buddha does say is that one's fetters are worn thin. So the ending of craving is not permanent. It just means there will no be, there will not be um, craving in the person's mind. Because metta, metta is giving. Metta is, is what leads you to to wish for people to have good things and so it's what leads you to give metta is what leads you to give karuna is what leads you to help relieve suffering i mean they're actually quite similar but metta is is the positive side wanting people to be happy wanting people to have good things so that's how it relates to craving you, instead you're, you're giving you're sharing you're, you're wishing for others to be happy and putting aside your own happiness
tanu sanyojana hunti pasato upadikayang yeah upadikayang is upadi is a difficult word it doesn't exactly mean craving i don't think maybe oh probably anyway that's all for talking about that quote do you have any questions we do let's go for it fun day i have very limited space for walking meditation is going on a walk around my neighborhood acceptable it's acceptable it's not a it's not a substitute formal walking meditation is important but I think a lot of people miss the um, the framework that we're talking about. Medi walking meditation, you really only need 10, 12 feet. I've heard of people doing it in six-foot space, you know, walking three or four steps, turning around. <laughs> turning is good for you. It grounds you. But if you have 10 feet, that's about normal. Bhante, I keep I keep avoiding the walking meditation part. Can you speak to the importance of walking and how it benefits one's practice? Thanks. If you're, I've said before, if you're working all day physically, it may not be as comfortable to do walking, and it's probably not as necessary because some of the benefits are physical. The idea is that if you just sit around all day, it's bad for the body, and it makes makes long-term meditation difficult. Your health um, deteriorates. So, um, in the case where you're doing an intensive meditation course, walking becomes important. But on top of that, walking meditation, the big benefit that the Buddha said, the Buddha gave, is that it helps your sitting meditation. When you walk first, you'll find it changes the the, um, the mindset when you first start to sit when you first start sitting meditation you're already focused you're already alert your mind is already balanced so you find the sitting meditation which can be quite intense and is hard to get into you find it easier to get into it if you do done walking meditation first that's the idea it's also important to switch your positions because it helps you become more flexible. If you just sit all the time, you can become very concentrated and slip into a state of samatha practice. Walking meditation helps break that up to keep you focused on reality. It's very important. Definitely, if you want to do a meditation course, you should do walking as well. It's helpful to keep you flexible and to... to Keep you from getting stuck. When doing sitting meditation, sometimes I stop breathing, not voluntarily. So I note knowing, knowing, and I feel fear. So I note fear, fear. After that, I force the breathing because I'm scared of collapsing if I don't have air. Is it a good thing to do? Not really. 
um, you know, I mean, it's fine that happens. So, but but the, what you want to move towards is being able to just note the fear and the tension in the body. Probably there's tension because of the fear and anxiety and whatever else that's stop, that's preventing you from breathing. So you want to learn to ease that all up. I think this sort of thing happens when people have a panic attack. The body seizes up. But I'm not saying that that's the case for you, but it's probably something similar that the body is seizing up for some reason. Uh, but you can help that. You can help work that out because probably a lot of the cause is mental. But you shouldn't need to. I mean, the worst thing that happens, I guess, is that you'd pass out, but that shouldn't really happen. Eventually, your body is going to breathe. You can just say sitting, sitting if you want. But, but what you're doing is awesome, really, saying knowing, knowing, afraid, afraid. But there may be else, there may be other aspects that you're missing. Tension in the body, worry. During the day, is Anapanasati useful for a layperson, or should we be mindful of the senses? You should practice the way I taught you in the book, because that's what we do here. But do you mean like the formal meditation where we watch the stomach rising and falling versus seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking? You can do both. If that's your question, then um, there's no need to do the formal walking and sitting. Not just the senses, though. You should be mindful of eating. When you're eating food, you should say, should say chewing, chewing, swallowing, tasting, and so on. Standing, walking, sitting, lying, bending, stretching, turning, reaching, brushing your teeth, brushing, washing your hair, scrubbing, scrubbing. Could you advise on overcoming insecurity? Meditate, meditate, meditate. Remember, we're dealing with strong habits, potentially from past lives and multiple lifetimes. So don't expect them to go away overnight. But there's only one way, really. This is the one way. The four Satipatthanas. Can you elaborate more on what mindfully developing boundless love means? Is that what it says? Mindfully developing? Hmm. Let's check. It does use oh. the word sato, I think, which is one who is mindful. Yeah, in the translation, it's whoever mindfully develops a boundless love will see the end of craving. Appamanang patisato. Yeah, I think what he's um, doing there is reminding you that metta is is fine and good, but you also need, oh no, apamana patisato. Yeah, well, okay, sorry. In this case, patisato probably just means, because it's apamanang patisato, having a recollection that is boundless, meaning 
you cultivate metta, and the word is patisati, which is not really mindful. It's um, having a specific recollection, recollection on something in particular, which is in this case the uh, boundless, the boundless love. Remember, the word sati is used in many different contexts. So this isn't mindfully is the wrong. I mean, it's a it's not a literal translation. A literal translation would be who cultivates metta, who is um, recollecting or who has a recollection that is boundless, who is of boundless recollection, or you could say of boundless mindfulness if you want to, but it's not really the correct translation. But that's where the word mindfulness comes in. Who is of boundless mindfulness? But that's that's not it. Who is of boundless recollection? Who's, who, well, the meaning is not just one person. So it's not mindfully whatever, whatever. It's one who has... Patisati, whatever that is. Patisati means recollection. Who is who recollects with an unlimited, without limit, meaning you have love that is boundless. Love for all beings is what he's saying. I think the words "boundless love" they they to me they bring to mind um, you know doing a lot of things for other people is, and I don't think that's necessarily what it means. Um, so when they're saying boundless love, I mean, how would you interpret what boundless love consists of? It means for all beings. That's what it means. With that, not just for one. Because remember, the second part of this quote is talking about the difference between pervading love to a single being and being being uh, moved by the moved or empathic towards all beings. One relates to all beings with a mind that is empathic. Or if one has a mind that is empathic towards all beings, meaning has love for all beings, it's much greater. So that's what boundless means. These are called the Appamanya meditations. They're the boundless meditations. When you make them boundless, not just this person, not just this group of people, all beings. And once you can see all beings with love, then it's called the Appamanya. Thank you. If our body is tense and suddenly it gets really hard to breathe, will yoga before meditation help? No, it's good to deal with tension and difficulty breathing. I mean, the key that you have to get about this meditation is being natural. There's no trick. A trick would defeat the purpose. There's no way of making it easier. Anything you do to try to make it easier is counterproductive because you're controlling you see you're no longer letting go if you can't deal with absolutely every situation then you're not that's a barrier to your enlightenment that's the the, the perfect the goal the goal is to be able to deal with these things can too much meditation be dangerous without an instructor if so, at what point should we look for an instructor? 
it's not usually dangerous. In fact, the most dangerous type of meditation is when you have a bad instructor. That's when the real problems, 90% of the real problems arise. When you don't have an instructor, far more likely, a far more common problem is people stop meditating out of fear and uncertainty. Don't know what to do next. Something strange happens, don't know what to do next. Conversely, if you're with a teacher, a bad teacher, let's say they're the bad teacher, um, when that strange appearance, strange experience occurs, they'll send you down the wrong path. They'll send you after it. Yes, follow that, cultivate it. They'll say, oh, that's God or that's, that's Devas or whatever they say. And they'll teach you to expand upon it and, and elaborate upon it and drive you crazy. This happens. It also happens that if a teacher uh, doesn't pay close enough attention to their students, even though they may be well-meaning, uh, students can go crazy, can have, I mean, it's usually temporary insanity. They don't really go crazy. They just have a sort of, you could say, I guess, a psychotic episode where they're just not able to control themselves. But it comes from being wound up, wound up, wound up so tight that you snap. And that can happen by yourself but it usually only happens in a meditation center where there's the environment that encourages you to wind yourself up or can encourage you. And if there's not a teacher there to point you in the right direction, the power of being in the meditation center, um, just the, the, this power of seeing other people meditating and being encouraged to meditate can drive you crazy. Um, but the point is without a, without a good teacher and without the teacher supervising, it happens. People at meditation centers far more often. So you're talking about dangers not, without a teacher. You don't hear so much about that. I think it does happen, but it's rare. People just don't have that kind of confidence to push themselves to the point where they'd go crazy. Mostly you just fall out of it. It's far more common. Mahasi Sayada said something along those lines and totally agree with it. Second part, um, well, it's not really dangerous, so when should you look for an instructor? So, yeah, I mean, don't worry about it. Practice on your own, it's fine. You know, if you want, the point is if you want to go far, having a teacher is, um, is very, very, very important, very helpful. could almost say it's necessary. You know, I mean, we usually have teachers in books or whatever anyway, but having someone who can respond and, and have provide the back and forth is very, very useful. When I'm driving, I find myself labeling colors, for example, red, red at a stoplight, or green, green. Is this proper or is it better to focus on what my body is doing? For example, accelerating, accelerating. Any other ideas about mindful driving? None of those are really good labels. You have to be clear. This is why it's important to be clear about what's real and what's not. Green isn't really real. If you think about it, green is just the name we put on a certain part of the spectrum of light. Light is light. So you could say seeing is the best is seeing. Light works, but we don't really think of it as light, right? We think of it as shapes. But those shapes are not real. They're concepts. 
So if you say green, green, you're not going to develop insight. Not the way we need. You have to say seeing, seeing, because the actual experience is of seeing. And that seeing arises and ceases. Uh, accelerating as well, that's not your experience. You don't experience accelerating. You experience the four elements. So accelerating, possible, but much better would be feeling, pushing. When you press down on the pedal, it would be pressing. It's closer to the actual experience, the feeling of pressing. You know, general is usually better in this case. So feeling is a useful one, but you can say pulling, pushing, and on the wheel, it's not even so much turning as it is pulling and, and you know, if you, I guess if you push the gear shift or so on. Sometimes it might seem kind of weird, but this is actually pulling and this is pulling. But you could say turning with both hands, right? Better to say pulling, but because you're using both hands, it might be turning. Not really all that absolute. You'd want to focus on one hand to be better, and then it would be pulling maybe pushing, lowering, raising, maybe. You have to be careful when you're driving because you can slip in. If you are if you have an imbalance in the mind, like it's ordinary, throughout the day we, cult we develop imbalances. It doesn't mean like craziness, but the imbalance of, of overexertion. So when you start to meditate, you might fall asleep. This can happen when you're driving, so you do have to be careful. A good thing to do if you start to get tired when you're driving and find yourself nodding off, chanting. I used to do chanting, itipiso bhagava, the mindfulness of the Buddha, mindfulness of the Dhamma, mindfulness of the Sangha. Couldn't find anything else. But that works. That really wakes you up. Just chant out loud in your car. This is, you know, people sing to the radio, right? They sing to stay away. Chanting works just as well. I think our our list just gets longer and longer. That's awesome. It does. And people have like 13 and 14 anamodanas. That's awesome too. There's at least 50 people in our list. Some people are probably here more than once. Yeah. Okay, so there's still a lot of slots available in the morning. So if someone is a morning person and wants to meet with meet one-on-one -on -one at 7 a.m. Eastern, or I think that's more useful for Europeans, although Monday to Friday they're probably at work. What would that be in, in Europe? What, 11 UTC? Mm. That would be 11 a.m. in Greenwich, England. Yes. Oh, I looked that up yesterday because I, I wasn't sure and I didn't want to give that information here. So Greenwich Mean Time is a thing. It's the time zone in some European countries and some African countries. UTC is not a time zone. It's the coordinated universal time for the whole world. Um, but GMC is is still a, a time zone, although in the summer they're apparently on British summertime or something like that, a, like a daylight savings time type of thing. So Greenwich Mean Time and UTC are 
sometimes the same and sometimes different if it's daylight savings time. Oh, no. So it would be about 11 a.m. Let's take a couple more questions and then call it a night. Sure. I used to meditate some time of the day, almost daily, then less and less. How can I stimulate myself to meditate constantly again? Mm. Think about how important it is to meditate. Do you shower daily? I have to shower daily. The body is, gets smelly otherwise. So cleaning the mind, is that not is it not important to keep your mind clean? It's really a duty of, of humans. You know, once you get into meditating, you really feel kind of dirty if you don't meditate. You feel like, oh, my mind is full of cobwebs. Come on here. This place should probably help. You see how much it's helping everyone? I mean, some people are able to do it on their own, but I bet some people on here could tell us how useful this site is to motivate them to meditate there's also the commitment page um which if you you know if you need a some kind of an organized method to convince yourself to log in daily there's all different current commitments that you can um, add yourself to or you can make up your own there's 30 minutes a day 50 minutes a day um, 60 minutes a day 500 minutes weekly, all kinds of different things under the commitment tab. Aruna is here. Aruna, you're supposed to be on a meditation course. He's downstairs. Oh. He should not be on the internet. No internet during the course. He's just doing a five-day course. Aruna, you have to get off the internet. He gets to meet with me one-on-one -on -one in, in real life. That's when he gets to ask his question, not here. No, you're not allowed on the internet. Sorry. When I, did, when I did the meditation course, I sincerely missed the online course. It was, it was so, um, you're by yourself, you know. But I, I missed that online companionship of meditating. Well, I should probably give, you know, here, adding something else to my schedule, but should probably give local talks eventually as well. It's nice for the meditators to have something daily, but you don't really need it. You just, you know, anything so that I don't have to meditate more, right? Yeah, that that little break between a day of meditating and then going into the evening of meditating, if there was something there to kind of segue between my day of meditating and my evening of meditating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you do have the once a day meeting with the teacher. Yes. It's enough. It's all I got. Yeah. Yeah, that is a very important and helpful part of the day. But if you were doing a talk anyway, and the local meditators could listen, maybe that would be, maybe that would work. Yeah, the problem is to think of, you know, how much brain power it takes to think of something. What am I going to talk about today? 
It just got somewhat arduous every day, every day, something new, which mm -hmm. is why these quotes were useful, but finding some of these quotes not so useful. We need another book of quotes, I think. I mean, they're good quotes. They're just not, not the sort of things I would give a talk on. Anyway, maybe we'll quit for tonight. Any more questions? Um, actually, there was, yes. I'm not sure it's a meditation or not sure it's an appropriate question, but here it is. How does the periodic table of elements relate to the four great elements? It doesn't. Periodic table of elements describes formations of matter. It doesn't describe experiences of them. Where do we talk about the experience of matter? Experience of hardness and softness, that's earth. The experience of heat and cold, that's fire. The experience of tension and flaccidity, that's air. Water is cohesion, but you don't directly experience that. Apparently. A friend of mine meditates 15 minutes a day, taking small breaks every five minutes. Do you recommend this in order to keep meditation practice constant? Fifteen minutes a day, that's not much. And then small breaks every five minutes? I don't think so. I think if you can't do 15 minutes all through, you should figure out why that is. I suppose in the beginning, and for some people who have like OCD or you know, real problems, maybe start slow. But all of the things, if all of the things are okay, that's really quite minimal. I wouldn't say you need to take breaks. I don't understand why you would. What does it mean to take a break? So now I can stop being mindful? Be mindful. Better things happen. Good things happen. Anyway, I think there'll there'll be just be more and more questions the longer we stay on here. But that's enough for me. Enough for tonight. Thank you, Bante. And thank you, Robin. Good night, everyone. Good night. Don't forget you can sign up for sign up for interviews morning morning is open morning here anyway good night